Welcome, everybody, to the Vaccine Conversation with Melissa and Dr. Bob. We're joined today with Melissa and Dr. Bob. (laughs) You're like, where are you going with that? This is Peaceful Vaccine Talk with Melissa and Dr. Bob. This is meditative anti-mandate discussion. (laughs) Pro-informed consent. You know, I thought of a a term for the other side. Yeah. Vaccine injury deniers. Uh Uh-huh. Because that's probably the key of of this whole fight. Right. That's like the thing that angers our side the most is that they are just, they just deny it happens. Deny and move on. Yeah. Deny and move on. You're you're totally right. All these parents are just making it up. We just want something to pit it on. We're just making it up. Okay. Here's your, oh, uh, oh, thank you. And you have a, a new treat today know, to I share know. with the, the audience. Was the, is the cookie dish one of those magic dishes that like if I hand it back uh, empty, it'll come back to me like filled up again with something? Negative. No. Negative. <laughs> 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 oh, dang, I was hoping. <laughs> right, but yeah, you did uh, bring me a muffin. Thank you're you. like my kids that are, it's never good enough. Like you'll be like, can I have five minutes to play? You give them five minutes and they want more. Yeah. Or can I have one cookie? You give them one cookie and they need more. It's like never, ne- there's never a point where they go, thank you. I am satisfied with what you have given me and I am content. <laughs> never. And so my, my oldest kid's first two word phrase ever was two cookies. Mm. It was the first two things he ever said. I think said I remember again. you yeah. saying that. Yeah. Oh, did I, say, I think yeah. you said on the podcast because you were, they were always allowed two cookies, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, yeah, I guess that, that stays in my mind because it's so This uh, muffin is grain free. Did you so, make it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because it's in like a, like oh, a I brought, Starbucksy kind I of I bought thing. those paper bags so okay. that, you know, no plastic. So the, the bowl did come back to me with there something There you go. It. Right. You put it out there. So this is a banana <laughs> chocolate chip. It's what I do for the kids' birthday cakes and things that if okay. you've had those. So Simple Mills. I had the birthday cake once. You know, there's okay. another time right. I didn't get There's another time it. you were trying to have us cut it before it was cake time so you could get <laughs> cake before you left. <laughs> I had to leave the birthday party early and I mm-hmm. thought, sure, she'll just cut me a, a piece of the cake out of the corner, right? Okay, like, honestly, guys, he wanted me to cut the birthday cake for a child. (laughs) We haven't had the photos or any of those things yet, right? He just wanted me to cut a piece of it out before he left so he could get some, and then we could just resume and go back to celebrating the cake. But that (laughs) was Cheryl, Cheryl let me know that that was a hard pass. This This, is good. Thank you. Okay, so Simple Mills is a company Mm -hmm. that if you guys are doing grain... Grain-free cooking and baking, and I know this is not vaccine-related, but many of us are um, really working hard on a holistic um, level with our kids Mm -hmm. and the foods that we put in their system, especially those that have had vaccine reactions and their bodies are healing. They have to be really careful what goes into their system, and that affects their behavior as well as physical ailments. Yeah, so paleo eating is, is, you don't have to be super strict, but that sort of lifestyle, it goes... uh, a lot towards uh, healing the immune system. That's right. And yeah. it's and immune system and the gut. and So um, it is about vaccines. So it does tie back into that. And so the reason I've even gotten into grain-free and gluten-free with my daughter was because of what happened with her vaccines and her stomach issues that she had. So Simple Mills is a company that many of you will be familiar with, perhaps, if you've been doing this. But it's a almond flour-based, um, pre-packaged muffins, cupcakes, bread mix and different and cookie mix and whatever. Now, the cookies and things they have coconut sugar, so they will have more sugar than I tend to like to give my kids, so I'll make, you know, my own um grain-free chocolate chip cookies, but their bread mix is great. Out of the cupcakes, um, I really like the banana, which is what I did for you. Okay. And then I added dark chocolate chips to it. And we use mm-hmm. pasture eggs and water and that's it. It's so easy. The kids can help you with it and um, much better than the kinds of things that we see out there for snacks. So yeah. I encourage you to check them out. They have great crackers too. Yes, they do. And even more exciting, can I talk about the song? You haven't talked about the song on the podcast. Yeah, but that had nothing to do with a banana chocolate chip muffin. I know, but You're like, speaking of muffins, (laughs) can I talk about the song? (laughs) No, that's I wanted, like, this is the first podcast we've done since we released the song, and I've been, like, so excited about it. So I just want everyone to know, if you didn't see the Facebook post, um... Uh, Melissa, uh, after, you know, much prodding from me and then begging from me to have her do this, uh, she put the Be the Peace uh, theme song onto uh, 
on iTunes and Spotify, just wherever you would get, wherever you would download your music. It's a, it's be the peace. It's the vaccine conversation podcast theme song. And your name is, you're actually not, you're, you're Melissa Suzanne, right? That's my, yeah, yeah, that's my first and middle name. Yeah. That's your uh, Uh kind of your performer name. And so, so everybody, um, you no longer have to like listen to the first part of the podcast and then fast forward to the end and like just play it over and, and over again. To hear. <laughs> I know there is actually two and a half minutes of very good song in, in the middle there that you've never gotten to hear. And, um, and so download it, listen to it, you know, sing it with your kids. And what I love is it, it kind of gives, it gives back to Melissa a little bit as an artist and it helps, you know, helps uh, support that part of your life and your vision and your mission and just, you know, what you really love to do most probably is, is sing. And, um, and so I love that. Uh, I don't know if, if every single, okay, so we're going to just pause the podcast so you can <laughs> open your, you know, your music app and search. Uh, yeah. Melissa's still recovering I from know. her illness. Uh, search, you know, be the peace, Melissa, Suzanne, or be the peace vaccines or, and I think sometimes it shows up on her albums, not individual songs. Mm. Cause it is like, it's listed as an album, even as okay, one song. But uh, but uh, you know what? It a dollar twenty nine on iTunes, small price to pay for a really amazing song you can listen to over and over again, and then uh, and then um, help say thank you to Melissa for for being Melissa. So <laughs> there it is, uh, and this is all me. You know, I, I you know I when I when I first heard the song, you know, uh, I totally thought I was already listening to podcasts. Um, listen to a lot of podcasts and the catchiest podcast to me had a really nice little opening tune and then kind of just some music and then they'd fade out, you know, at the end of the podcast, I thought this song is so perfect for that. And so, you know, the first time I heard, it, I, I was already thinking podcast song and, and then, uh, and then meanwhile, I was like, no, 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 not happening. No, thank you. And, and people know this, like, so I am a singer, but like, in this movement, I I do something else. And so right, I'm often right. asked to sing places or events like, oh, can you sing at this event that is to do with this movement? And it's like, it's really hard for me to say yes to that. Only a, a rare circumstance would that really seem to fit for me because it's like two different hats and people that are both left and right brain might understand what I'm saying is like, it's a whole different persona of, a, of what you need and a skill set that you need and a mindset you need to be in. Yeah. And so I, I don't really mix the two very often. Um, so I did not want that song on there because I'm like, I don't want to promote myself. This feels so, I don't like self-promoters that, that I right. see. And, and, and you're not, and you never have I, been. I know, so, and not. so I'll do it for you. But I'm always and, afraid uh, somebody's yeah. going to think that, that they're going to think that. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of why I've always stepped back on it. And he's been bugging me for a while to get it up on <laughs> iTunes. And so it's been yeah. like, I mean, you've been asking me about that for at least six or seven yeah, months. Yeah, I finally yeah. did. It's up. Yeah. And you're so hot. You're, you're such a humble person when it comes to that, when it comes to your, your uh, life as a performing artist, you're, you're so humble about it, which is, which I appreciate. It was interesting to see, like, you're such a good singer, but you're so humble about it. You're not like this star that goes around, you know, knowing they're an <laughs> awesome singer. You're just, you're just Melissa Floyd who does podcasts and activism and you, you also sing. And my other life is a singer. Well, yeah. well, I think most mothers out there will understand that once you become a mom, whatever identity that you had before <laughs> motherhood. Yeah. just sadly disappears. Um, it, it doesn't mean to happen that way. It just does. So sometimes you sort of forget who you were and what you did before becoming a mom. And, and we have to really focus on bringing that back and remembering who we were so we can nurture that because that's that's part of us. And, that's, and music is fulfilling to me. And I remember the very first time I sang again after Serenity and I was like thinking, well, maybe this is past. Like, this is okay. Maybe I did this. I've been singing since I was 13. Maybe this is a closed chapter and then the very first time after I was done singing that one song on stage, I was like, it's not gone for me. Yeah, it was still cool. there. And when I, then I had that, I said, I've got to, whatever way, whatever context I can do this, I need to keep doing this because it does feel fulfilling. And I have to remember, oh my God, yeah, I was a singer before I was a mom. That's right. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us uh, women and women listening out there like have been in that circumstance where they've felt that. So um I'm trying to get back to that now. Have new yeah. stuff. Remember, I told you told you you know my oh, new yeah, songs. Yeah, yeah. I have some new songs I'm working yeah, on, yeah. Um, and uh, so there's part of me that goes back, but that's just unrelated to what we what we sort of do yeah, here. Yeah. Um, every now and then, I share videos on my page, but that's that's about it. <laughs> but I'm so excited 
that we are in this new season too, because I just absolutely love the direction we're going with mm-hmm. it. And oh my gosh, the, the amount of comments and messages that I have gotten about season two and that I've seen, everybody is really, really liking the depth of topic that we're yeah. bringing to it and the the depth of interviews that we're bringing yeah. um, as well. And, and we're still going to do some regular topics, of course. We'll, we'll cover the rest of the diseases. And yeah. yeah, we still have a list of sort of like regular vaccine topics we have to cover. You have uh, like aluminum and, um, but even and that conflict we'll be able, of interest. And we can do some of those intertwined with interviews, interviews yeah, with that interviews we can do in depth. The right? aluminum so researchers. Yeah, yeah. So it'll, it'll all... <laughs> You know, it's, yes, and it'll all, you know, come together and it'll never end, right? (laughs) So So, what what do we have today? Okay, so you guys, one of the things I'm really interested in is finding old media articles Mm -hmm. that talk about vaccine injury. And many of you that were around for California's 277 fight four years ago have seen a shift in the way the media covers this issue just in the last four years. The way they cover it now, they hardly ever tell a story of vaccine injury. They hardly ever show the other side in any way. So even in just four years, we've seen a big shift in how the media has covered things. They will never admit vaccine injuries in an article. They will never talk about deaths from vaccines. Uh, Those things aren't discussed. And so I thought, and I've talked with different reporters about how it's changed. And so I kind of thought there are a lot of great older articles, and I have 10 more of these at home that I haven't even shown you yet. Um, A lot of great older articles that, that discuss vaccine injury in a completely different way than we hear it today. And so I wanted to revisit those and bring some of those up and read them and actually go through. Today, we have two different articles, one from the LA Times and one from the New York Times. And these are both written in 1986. And this is all specifically dealing with the uh, bill, the 1986 bill for the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that bill. We'll have a separate um, podcast that kind of goes into that. But I think a lot of people maybe are not completely educated on what that bill really was and how it was part of a grander scheme of bills Mm -hmm. and how um, the vaccine portion of that bill was just one element that was sort of added separately. And there were a lot of people that weren't really on board with this that you would think should have been. And so it was pretty interesting. So we found two different articles by we... She I means mean me. her. Yes. <laughs> because like I'm the one that goes yeah. on the computer at night. No, like this is just not, yeah, yeah, it's not your, you, you said it's not really your thing, not something you really enjoy. And I can't get enough of finding, I love finding little rare <laughs> gems. Um, so the first thing I, I say we go through is the LA Times article. Okay. So this LA Times article is October 20th, 1986. And it's called Vaccine Injury Fund Bill Approved But Faces Veto. Okay. So this was based in Washington. And this says that this is legislation that would create a compensation fund for vaccine injured children. So remember, at this time, there were a lot of DTP vaccine injuries that were happening and parents were suing the pharmaceutical companies and they were suing and winning cases for multimillion dollar settlements. The pharmaceutical companies came back to the government saying we are losing our profits This is no longer, this doesn't make sense for us anymore. We need to have removal of liability or we will potentially stop making vaccines altogether. And that that fear-based idea was sort of what sold this bill. Um, The Uh idea that we are going to be without vaccines completely. Nobody's going to make them. And that's it. In fact, um, Henry Waxman, who was the Democratic... um, representative um, out of California actually even says, I sure hope if the president vetoes this, which is President Reagan, he's like, I sure hope he has a plan to start making vaccines himself because there's not going to be anything. Right. <laughs> which is such a silly thing I, I to say. I, I know. It's, it's, and, and this article almost seems like it was politically motivated to put pressure on the president to sign the bill. Right. And they have like, I think, I think every quote in here is kind of targeted towards that agenda. But yeah, it is interesting how um, they really have to play off the fear of, oh my gosh, what would happen if, if pharmaceutical companies had to suddenly, suddenly stop making all vaccines. And this was just polio, DTP and MMR back then, you know, we had stopped using smallpox vaccine and, um, and uh, so this was only a few vaccines, but even just the, the sheer thought of, 
of them stopping vaccines altogether so almost would would unleash a panic across America. People couldn't even believe what that could possibly do to our health, and they were so afraid of it. it where and in reality, they didn't have any research on on you know whether or not that you know would be a bad thing if you know they if all vaccines had to suddenly go away. So they just assumed of, it would. And they, there was urgency. Right. They were trying yeah. to make it like this has to happen now or else. Right. Um, and, and the reason I think talking about these media articles is so important is many people will go, you know, vaccine injury is never, I've never heard anything about it in any news thing. And in today's world, when they're not covering it and people who only believe facts based on what they see in today's media... I want to target and look at this older media. We're talking about the same media um, and how they talked about it at a time before it was essentially censored. So if, in fact, vaccine injuries don't happen, then they wouldn't have happened in 1986 either. And yet they are talking about it right right here in black and white. And this was directly in the newspaper multiple times. And so um, one thing I find really interesting is that this article, again, from the LA Times, says that the HHS, this is Health and Human Services, was against this bill. And they're against this bill because they said, quote, this is likely to do little to assure the vaccine supply. But wasn't that the whole argument that they were selling it for? Right. Saying this is what it'll do. It'll assure right. the vaccine supply. The HHS is saying this bill is not going to do anything for that. And hmm. then it's also saying... It's not going to improve our immunization efforts. Now, why didn't they feel it would improve immunization efforts? They were afraid bringing attention to vaccine injury would reduce the faith in the vaccine program because now they are essentially admitting kids are hurt and we set up a fund and a program for those kids that are hurt. So we have the representative from the HHS actually saying this is not going to improve our vaccination rates and it's not uh, going to make sure the vaccine supply is better. So then you look at that quote and think, well, then what in the world would somebody be encouraging the president to pass this for? Right. What would be the reason right. for this then? Right. It didn't really make sense. Right. And <clears throat> I just want to, I'm sorry, I did just get over a, like a, a sickness, first time in two years, and I'm very bitter about it. And um, <laughs> I just, yes. So if I cough, I apologize. Um the thing that I think is most important for people to understand is kind of to understand the what an omnibus bill is and, and how this was a part of that. Okay, so I just want you to, I'm going to break down, and I wrote these down. Um, bear with me, Dr. Bob, as I do this. Mm-hmm. Don't fall yeah. asleep, okay? Um, I hope I get a review that says you think facts are boring. I hope, <laughs> I hope I get one of those reviews. Guys, please stop sending me reviews saying that I'm criticizing disease episodes. I'm teasing. No, it's, it's so I'm funny. I'm joking. But, you know, whenever we get new listeners, and so they'll yes. listen to the first like five episodes and then write a review. I bet if people could go back and like rewrite their reviews, they probably I'm totally would. joking, you guys. I don't think disease episodes are boring. I know. I, I no, have, everyone knows that now, but the, the first well, listeners won't everybody. hear this yeah, until they get to right. this episode. So you might as well. Okay. Not try, all right, right. All right. So an omnibus <laughs> bill. So an omnibus, um, omnibus bill is a proposed law that covers a number of diverse or unrelated topics. Okay. So what the 1986 bill was, it was a group of bills. Some things were unrelated. And let me tell you what they were made up of. The first was a compensation program for vaccine injured children. That's the thing that we know the 1986 bill to be about. The second thing, and this is, I think, kind of important. This part of the bill said that pharmaceutical drugs could be exported to other countries, even if they were not approved in the U.S. first. Okay, so what President Reagan said about this was this was going to help the United States pharmaceutical industry become a global force. Mm -hmm. And that's such foreshadowing to me, because think of what that did in 1986 to give so much power to the pharmaceutical industry and the pharmaceutical lobby that has since shaped so much of um, medical bills, medical laws, and the kind of things that we're fighting right now, all because in this bill in 1986 that we think was just about vaccine injury, actually was giving more power to pharmaceutical companies to become bigger and the U.S. pharmaceutical companies to become more global without even safety testing in the United States first, which is interesting. Uh, The third thing was um, of this bill was um, addressing chronic mental illness. And so it was providing medical, psychiatric, 
uh, and psych- psychiatric care, housing and employment to those who had chronic mental illness. Um, there was also a part of this bill that talked about physicians being able to uh, take discipline disciplinary action against other physicians. Um, again, this is all, all these things are very unrelated, but the, the point I'm, I'm making when you see all these things being part of it, signing the bill meant signing all of it. Yeah. And not signing it meant reducing and eliminating all of it. And so the way that they set this up was throwing something in there last minute to get approved. Uh, everything had to get approved. And the last part was um, they, had, they wanted to set up a national commission that could reduce infant mortality. So there were five main things, uh, maybe even one or two more that were never really talked about that were kind of smaller, that were part of this omnibus bill that included the vaccine compensation program. And I just want people to kind of know a little more about it so that when they say, you know, repeal the 1986 law, like that, that bill like covers so many different things. And maybe that's, maybe what we're looking for is not repealing the fact that there's a program, but removing the removal of liability or reinstating liability for pharmaceutical companies. Right. And this whole story mostly seems to focus on the fact that they're creating a compensation fund, you know, via tax on vaccines. And they're creating this this way for people to um, to you know to get uh, compensation for their injuries, so we won't have skyrocketing skyrocketing prices. You know, we won't lose the vaccine supply. It seems like they minimize the idea that they're taking away liability from pharmaceutical companies. Right. That was yeah. very hush hush. You're right. That wasn't because, even a big part. Right. Because because I mean, you know, they're almost seem making it seem like this amazing thing, this this amazing program that's going to help everybody, and. You know, people back then, they were as intelligent as we are now. And, you know, people 200 years ago were just as intelligent. I mean, they knew, they had to have known um, that taking away liability from pharma would take away all incentive for vaccine safety research. They had to have known that back then. And they don't even address that here. They don't no. even bring that up. That's that's not even discussed out in the open. And and uh, that kind of you know that's that's, that's unfortunate. Um, but it, it's it's really interesting. I mean, this whole article is is basically people saying why it's going to be a good bill, and then people saying why why it's not going to be a good bill. And and no one even brings up the problem of, of farm reliability. What they're saying is this bill is going to be too costly. It's going to cost. Uh, the taxpayers is going to cost everyone too much. Well, it, it doesn't cost the government anything. That's true. It, it doesn't cost the pharmaceutical companies anything. You're right. The people pay for it. Right. Because every vaccine you get, every vaccine you that you buy, uh, 75 cents goes into this fund. So it doesn't cost them a, a penny. And they use this whole fund to basically, you know, fund the whole program. And and right. And there's there's you know billions of dollars in this fund. And in fact, I think I, I read somewhere in here that. Um, the interest that they earn on the fund yes. is is used to pay off all the compensated injuries. Right. And that so means all the remainder of that is... Is just in this fund. Yeah. So there's this huge billions of dollar fund just sitting there gaining interest. Right. And they're mm-hmm. not actually lo- paying any money out of it. They're almost just funding it from the interest that they, they earn. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? So th- again, this is the LA Times article, right? It says... They say in this LA Times article, because these victims receive no compensation in any, any, any other way, when their kids have these injuries, they have to go to the courts um, to get the manufacturers responsible. And so even just something so simple like that, understanding these are victims that exist. That was a right. statement of fact. Right, right. The victims exist and they're not receiving compensation. They're being injured and have medical bills and costs and lifetime yeah. care. And they're not able to get care for that unless they sue these companies. So this is just a matter of fact thing, right, that they're mentioning. And what Henry Waxman says, so to know more about him, is he is the uh, chairman of the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health. Again, a Democrat from Los Angeles. He's the author of the bill. The author too. of this right. measure of, of the bill. Measure, yeah. <clears throat> He says, this bill is the first step to taking care of children hurt in the process of protecting society from epidemics. This is the idea of the greater good and collateral damage. He basically is saying, we are going to have this this aspect of this bill to take care of the hurt children. Is he saying to take care of the the children whose parents claim were hurt by vaccines? (laughs) Is he saying to take care of the rare one person that may have a side effect, one in a million? No. He's saying, we know there are children that are hurt. This portion of the bill is to take care of the children that are hurt. And these children are hurt in the process of protecting society. 
So when you look back at California and what just passed with uh, 276, SB 276, this idea that kids have paid the price of protecting society from epidemics, like Henry Waxman says, and they have been hurt in the process, and that he's talking about um, taking care of those children. So what does California do to those children that have been hurt in the process of protecting Mm. society? They kick them out of school, and they discriminate against them, and they segregate them. So we're talking about the difference, you guys, in how they view and discuss and talk about the climate of vaccine injury. This is in black and white in the LA Times. It's as clear as can be. Children are being hurt. We need to take care of the children who have been hurt protecting society. Where was that discussion? In the Senate Health or the Assembly Health Committees during 276? Was any single legislator outside of the few that had supported us, any of these legislators, were were they saying, you know what? All these people that come for public comment that talk about their vaccine injured children, we need to find a way to take care of them because they did what they were told to protect society. And so I, you know, it seems like something so simple, but it's not because they're claiming this as a truth and this would never be in an article today. I know. And, and what is similar to today though, is they do kind of downplay the numbers. You know, they say, um, it would establish a trust fund for families of the several dozen children right. who annually suffer severe reactions to these vaccines. And so, I, again, I, I love what you're saying, that they're, they're acknowledging that these are severe reactions to these vaccines, not claimed reactions right. or not adverse events that coincidentally happen after vaccines. They are vaccine reactions. But, you know, we know there are, there are way more than several dozen children who, annually, who annually suffer severe reactions. I mean, there, there are, there are 2,000 severe reactions reported in the VAERS database every year. And that's only 1% to 10% of what actually happens. So we know there are 2,000 that are actually reported, you know, uh, all across America. Yeah, even back then, they're they're back here. They're claiming there's only several dozen. Right, but why are they claiming that? Because the HHS representative says directly before that that this bill is not going to improve our childhood immunization efforts. The more they draw attention to the children that have been injured, the less the confidence in the program. Yeah, so they say it's okay. There's only several dozen that are injured, so it's such a small number that that that's okay. It's not going to interfere with. With everyone's, you know, people aren't going to be afraid of vaccines. And one thing I found interesting is the assistant attorney general at this time, his name was John Bolton. He says, quote, while it is undisputed that there is a small handful of children who may suffer serious adverse effects from being vaccinated. Okay. Before continuing this, undisputed. Right. He is the assistant attorney general. So where did that all go? I mean, why? Where did that go? How come Senator Pan is not talking about that and the other people bringing legislation to these states? Why are they not discussing that it is undisputed a small subpopulation of children may suffer serious adverse effects from being vaccinated? He said that. And... um, and it's again, it's in black and white and something that you would never see at this point. Right. And they, and they specify earlier on what are those severe reactions. They include the, the, um, the three most severe devastating reactions. They, they say mental retardation, um, disability, and even death. Yeah, I mean, think about that being in an LA Times article today, saying that reactions to vaccines, including mental retardation, severe disability, and death. Death would never be mentioned. Do you remember Senator Pan saying, thankfully, uh, it was in... um it wasn't during the hearing, but he said somewhere somebody caught on video. Thankfully, no one has ever ever died from a vaccine. Oh, jeez! Because they're safe, they're safer Saving. than water, right? right. Which right. is the real danger to people. <laughs> yes. And so, this is the time when this bill was coming out that they decided that they would put a compensation cap of $250,000. Now at the time, that was $250,000 for all vaccine injury claims. Hmm. So that later goes on to be $250,000 for death, but it could go into the multi-millions for um, a lifetime of care. And the reason that they changed this was originally, it was $250,000, but then you would be... Um, allowed to continue trying to find, to go after the manufacturer on some level. They changed that. And now they let, um, they let the uh, settlements be 
more accurate to what a lifetime of care would actually cost. And then it does talk about the tax. You know, what I found interesting too is that the tax was not signed into the bill at the time the bill was done. Right. Isn't that yeah, interesting? Yeah, I didn't know that. They uh, they had no funding mechanism for this bill when it was originally written. And they everyone just kept saying, well, don't worry, the next Congress, you know, next year Congress will figure out a way to pay for this bill. And maybe that's why some of the people were objecting to the costs of it. You know, that, that makes sense now. But isn't yeah. that what everybody does? <clears throat> this isn't handled. Vote right. yes anyway, yes. and we will oh. work it out later at some other date with some other group of people who have not done their due diligence on this. Yes. Let's just sign it, and we'll iron out the kinks later. I was actually told this from a chief of staff in an office in California during this last bit of 276. We will work this out after the law's in place. There is no logic to that. Right. But then the law is already in place and it's in place in a way that is not clear or it's not accurate or it's wrong. How do legislators vote things and sign things and say yes to things and expect for the kinks to be worked out later? I feel like that is absolutely unprofessional and against what should be their code of conduct for how to um, how to participate as a representative to the people. We expect if there's a law, we want all those kinks ironed out way before you sign it. We don't want you figuring this stuff out way after the fact. And I almost said a bad word and you would have had to, um, (laughs) you would have had to bleep me or go back and and edit me. You're welcome guys. That was the G rated version. But yeah, um, so the other health-related items that I mentioned part of the omnibus bill are a big part of understanding why he said if the president fails to sign this, he will have to veto all other measures. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I was surprised how how there was a lot of opposition to having the, the vaccine injury compensation program as part of it. There were a lot of people that were not on board for that that I thought was surprising, including President Reagan who actually right. said he was afraid that this was going to be a no-fault court. Um, this was going to set up a terrible uh, trend right, for right. not having proof. Right, but we don't things. necessarily know his reasons, you know, uh, because the, the article doesn't really s- clearly state what his reasons are to object. Yeah. This one? No, I, right. I have read that okay, outside yeah, of this, yeah, not yeah. just this article. Yeah, but... Um, yeah, well, I'm looking forward to um, interviewing, uh, hopefully, Barbara Lowe Fisher, who is right. actually actively involved way back, you know, sorry, Barbara, <laughs> way back then, you know, when this was being done and uh, and was kind of part of this movement that, that saw this bill passed and part of the movement that had to realize to their horror that farm reliability was being taken away because that was not part of the original te- intent of this bill. Um, so, so then there's the, well, the, should I read the title of the next article sure. just so people can, can Google search these and we'll put links to these articles on our Facebook page and on our website as we always do. Um, I love her. <laughs> I got a laugh. Sorry. Our latest review on, on the podcast. I love the podcast, but could you please post links to all the articles you talk about somewhere so that I can like track them down? That's because they're a new listener. They they don't realize we didn't How say. How about on the episode description? There is an idea. Oh wait, <laughs> there is a link there, right, right. guys. So, yeah, so people now now people know there are links, but when you first listen, we don't talk about it, and we didn't. We should say have anything. a we should have a rule. You cannot review unless you've at least listened to thirty episodes of season one before you can right. review. Or I can. Re- Record like a, a public service announcement and edit it into the first episode. Anyway, so the second one is Reagan signs a bill. So now, the, so the first article was before he signed right. it, threatening to veto. Now it's Reagan signs bill on drug exports and payment for vaccine injuries. This was the New York Times, November 15, 1986. So this is then after the signing. How old were you at the time this was happening? 1986? 86, 69. I was 17 years old. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you were seven years you old. You were almost yeah. an adult. Yes, I was. You yeah. were on the verge of being an adult uh, <laughs> when this bill got signed in and yeah. sort of led in a direction that your life would later lead into, which is oh, kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, way back then, this was not on my radar at all. I had no idea. I was... 17 years old, but I don't even remember hearing about this or oh, yeah. it being in the news, but I bet this was probably such a huge deal to everyone who was in the I was eight. I was eight years old yeah. at the time. Yeah. 
life was easier back then <laughs> when you're eight. Um, but yeah, so this one about, again, talks about the same bill, the same thing. And um, again, they talk about how this bill is about compensating children injured by vaccines. That is with a period, you guys. It is a statement. It is listed as a fact. This is not an urban legend, like the way they write about it now, uh, to compensate children whose parents claim they were injured by vaccines. That's how it would be written today. Right. Um, but what they are saying in this time, black and white, just report the news, is that President Reagan today signed a health bill designed to compensate children injured by vaccines. And um, he talks about the other provisions of the bill, which allowed the pharmaceutical companies. And like I said, President Reagan said, quote, this new law will increase the competitiveness of the American pharmaceutical industry. And what's funny is I bet many people listening are like, oh, that's when everything went wrong. You know, when you have this, you know, our American pharmaceutical industry has just gone out of control, completely, right. completely out of control. They have gotten their lobby and the lobby's hands inside every single piece of legislation that has to do with um, obviously promoting vaccines, taking away, eliminating medical exemptions. Um, they have been a big part of changing the narrative about this quote unquote fringe group that has concerns and questions as parents um, about the vaccine schedule. They have put hundreds of millions of dollars into advertising campaigns yeah. and uh, the pharmaceutical industry did not need to become more competitive at that time because it has just absolutely taken on a mind of its own. And many of us are suffering as a result, including some that have been injured or, or killed from uh, pharmaceutical products and prescription drugs or others that have permanent conditions and things as a result. I mean, it's, it's a big, it's a big issue. Yeah. And you would think that the pharmaceutical companies, I mean, their lobbyists probably went, you know, to the legislators and said, we want to keep helping people. We want to keep helping the sick and preventing disease. We want to keep making vaccines, but these, you know, these DPT and these MMR vaccine lawsuits are killing us. You know, they're, 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 you know, we, they're killing our profits. We can't profit this way. So, but we want to keep helping people. And, and they probably, you know, that was probably a very easy sell. I mean, they probably sell that to any right. legislator because they're not going to think the extra step, oh, we're taking away your liability. And, um, and now, you know, you have no reason to make them safer. And, and I, what you were just saying made me realize I just saw this on Facebook, although it's, it's like three years old. It was a, um, it was an article, Big Pharma CEO says in quotes, we're in business of shareholder profit, not helping the sick. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And, and it's this, uh, this uh, CEO uh, of a pharmaceutical company and he's just saying the most, the most awful quotes. He's like the most hated man in America now because he's admitting to this. He says his company's responsibility is to its shareholders, right. not the customers who rely on his drugs to live. Um, we can do anything we want to. We will continue to make acquisitions, acquiring other companies, raising drug prices. Again, uh, um, because we will act in accordance appropriately uh, the way we assume our shareholders would want us to act. And it's all about, for them, it's all about the bottom line. And we've said that right. before, mm -hmm. but this is the CEO of a pharmaceutical company actually, you know, I don't know why he would do this, you know, in public and be quoted this way, but these ad admitting to it, they in reality were not there to uh, make vaccines safer. Um, even though they pretended they were, they were not there just because they felt like they wanted to help humanity is basically they were there to keep selling their product and, and, and not, you know, not have this huge liability. And, and I've always said before, after we passed this and then pharma kept donating you know, millions and billions of dollars to legislators for the last 30 years, now legislators are returning the favor again by mandating pharma's products. And right. that's where this is going. And that's why this is so wrong. And then we're taking you back 30 years. But, uh, but you know, the problem is just as big as even worse today. And I think the majority of not just our listeners, but the American public would agree the pharmaceutical industry is too big. And they are too present in our lives today. Yes. I think the average American person would agree also that yeah. pharmaceutical companies are 
profit-based, and there is a risk that they may be choosing profit over people. Right. Um, and so it's always funny when you do hear people agree with that and not understand that that bleeds over to vaccines because these are the same people making vaccines. It's not something new with vaccines. It's just par for the course. It comes down to reducing and uh, reducing negative um, media or negative attention and damage control and just promote, 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 advertise, advertise, advertise. And, you know, one thing I thought that the New York Times said in this article that was interesting is they said that uh, President Reagan signed this bill after heavy lobbying, right? He said that was in favor of the bill. And they call it a broad-based coalition. They say that the <laughs> who was in favor of the bill, we're talking about drug companies, physicians, and a group of parents that are concerned with injured children. So think about that. When will you ever see a time that those three things will be on the same side of this issue? Drug companies and parents of vaccine-injured children. Why are the drug companies in favor of this bill? Not because they want a compensation program for children, because they want to remove liability and, and not dip into their profits. So the truth is the reason the drug makers wanted support on this bill was because they wanted the removal of liability. That is not the same reason that physicians and parents wanted this bill. Right. Physicians and the parents of vaccine-injured children... Um, or uh, parents that were advocates for children, they wanted this bill because they wanted a compensation program for those who were injured. Okay, so both things, being on the same side asking for support, were on support for very, very different reasons. I just thought, could you imagine a, a medical mandate where the pharmaceutical industry and the parents would be <laughs> on the same side of this? Because we are very aware that when there is a bill in a state to remove exemptions, the type of people you see showing up in support of those bills are representatives of medical industry and right. lobby groups. They right. are not the average mom and pop parent. And then who do you see opposing? The average right. mom and pop right. parent, right. not big lobbies and industries that are you know heavily funded. And so parents and pharmaceutical industries are hardly ever going to be on right. the same side of this but, issue. But I wonder if they really were on the same side back then, because obviously the parents wanted the compensation fund but not the you know pharma being you know removed from liability. But it was so, a yes vote regardless right. to get either of those right. things. Right. So, yeah. so I doubt the parents were really on. I don't think they teamed up like that. And oh I think, no. I think yeah, maybe they're representing it. That no, no, way. no. But I didn't yeah, think they were yeah. teaming up. I just think it's funny that yeah. you can put them in the same yeah. category of being in support of the bill. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so. Also funny, so like I mentioned before in the LA Times article, the HHS was not, was not in support right. of this bill. This New York Times article talks about how the Justice Department was not in favor of this bill either. They had urged a veto of the bill because they didn't like the new system of compensating people injured by vaccines. And it's funny that President Bush was the vice president at that time and was um, involved in this and was a part of the concern for this. Uh, this is before they had implemented that tax on there, um, on, yeah. on each dose, like you said. Yeah, but it's interesting. And now the, the, the Justice Department is the department in charge of... of um, of, of of litigating, of right. defending the compensation I fund know, and right. defending the vaccines. So they didn't like the bill, but now they're tasked with this huge role in defending it, which I kind of, and maybe that's why they're being so awful in how they defend and you know, we talked about that, right. episode 59. Right. If you haven't checked that out, please go back. That was our first episode of season two. It's episode 59, talking about Dustin Barton and that particular vaccine injury case and the type of cruel and strong cross-examination that his mother received from the attorneys for the judicial department. This is the whole idea that they are supposed to be creating a program that is easy and helpful for these parents. And instead, it is like do or die with them, that they will do everything in their power to make sure you do not win a case, right. receive a settlement. And if you do, they will do everything in their power to make sure that that result uh, remains confidential and cannot be used again, and they will seal yeah. records. This does not look like the altruistic 
injury compensation program that it was originally mm. explained to be. Instead, it has become extremely cutthroat. We talk about that on that episode. Yeah, and we're, and we're going to talk about that more coming up with another episode. We're actually going to going to get even more in depth into the compensation program and and hopefully uh, give you an interview with a, another person with a person who actually was in, involved in that program. Coming up, uh, anything else uh, interesting in the in the yeah, article? Yeah, I mean, this this article continues. Oh, so now oh, here's the yeah. first time that the, uh, the New York Times says this law sets certain limits on the manufacturer's liability in these lawsuits. That was the first time they kind of started to, to bring that to okay. attention, but it was very minimal, right? And it says the congressional report says the purpose of the bill is to lessen the number of lawsuits against manufacturers. Not to protect injured children. It is to lessen the number of lawsuits against manufacturers. And then they say, while compensating victims of vaccine injury. Again, it is a fact the way that they say it. They are compensating victims of vaccine injury. This is like, I know it seems so silly to get caught up on the words, but the words mean everything. And when you see the media today, they do not report these facts. Vaccine Mm -hmm. injury exists, period. You cannot deny that fact. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There were no vaccine injury deniers back then. Well, no. So in the medical community, they were completely denying that these vaccine injuries happened. Even you know, though data was showing right, they were. Right, yeah, there were right? tons of data showing, mm-hmm. you know, proving that these vaccine injuries are happening. But in the medical community, there actually was a cover-up and, and a major denial about the DPT vaccine. But yeah, but I like to, I'm glad to see, again, the media back then was telling the truth about it, even though doctors weren't willing to. And like we talked about earlier in this episode, the other elements of this omnibus bill, one of them included um, exporting pharmaceutical products without safety testing. Mm -hmm. I found this really interesting that they said the bill ran into opposition from those who said it would be setting a double standard on the safety and effectiveness of drugs, meaning... Oh, you can go ahead and export this without really checking safety and effectiveness uh, here in the United States before you do this. So people were opposing that, saying maybe that's not going to be the safest option. And it's just funny knowing what we know now. I know. And it's amazing. I mean, if there's a part of a bill that's bad, why can't you just take that part out? Right. I mean, it's like everyone has this agenda. They need their part of the bill to be in there. And even though there's something that is is clearly not in the interest of of the world, this bill seriously their their foremost you know interest was the pharmaceutical companies. This bill did so right. much and for pharmaceutical companies, and and how can a government do that just just out in the open like that? Right. And, like listen to this quote from the president of the Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association, who said this new law quote greatly strengthens the ability of the United States pharmaceutical industry to compete in international markets. This absolutely was about building and inflating and pushing up the U.S. pharmaceutical industry. Right. But, but the way he says it is interesting. The way he says it is in a way that all Americans are going to agree with is a good thing. Oh, of course, yeah, of course we want American business to be stronger and compete in the international, international market. Yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. And they're these, you know, the, the media are not dumb. I mean, they, they, they craft these things right. this way specifically. And, and think about how ironic it is that they're talking about how this helps increase the pharmaceutical industry while adding an element to this bill that is compensating victims of the pharmaceutical industry. Like these two things are side by side. We're going to help our pharmaceutical industry compete in international markets. We're also going to take care of those kids that unfortunately got hurt by those Mm. pharmaceutical products. But what we're not going to do is address why they are getting hurt by those pharmaceutical products. We're just going to set up a program and we're going to help our U.S. pharmaceutical industry skyrocket to the top of the global market. I mean, I find that so interesting to have two of these things side by side and nobody's batting an eyelash about why these people are... um, are uh, getting injured in the first place, which is the thing that everybody should have been focused on, uh, the primary thing. So yeah, that's the end of the notes that I have on this. I I find these kind of articles interesting. And if you guys find some really great media articles from the 80s, 90s, I think I mentioned this before, send them to us um, so we can cover them on the podcast. Because I find this stuff really interesting. I find the way they covered vaccine injury and the way they declared it as fact, I find that refreshing. I also find that concerning that we've seen the change 
And um, to anybody who believes this isn't real, go look up your LA Times and New York Times and you go show that to that family member and say, oh, it's not real. Then why was this on the front page or page two or three of the LA Times in 1986? And they admit right there in black and white that this is happening and something needs to be done about it. And this is just one example of that. Yeah, and and I'll I'll close with um you made a very nice graph, uh, you know the graph where you showed how va- vaccine uh, injury reports have gone way up, and the reports of severe reactions have gone way way up. Um, you remember that the bottom end of your graph where it was very small, that was back then. That was that was mm-hmm. this time, like the 1980s, is when they acknowledged vaccine injury. And the numbers were actually yes. uh, a lot smaller. Right. Now, what has it, has it tripled or quadrupled or? Yeah, it's gone up. I mean, the number reported amount. every year is is way more and the, and the denial has, has begun. Right. You know, it's happening way more often, but everyone's denying it more and more, which is a right. huge problem. As it becomes so. more and more frequent, it becomes more and more of a threat. Again, the threat to the pharmaceutical industry is the public's lack of confidence in the vaccine program. This is why they censor information. This is why they shut down the conversation. This is why they vilify parents. It's because if you know all of the truth, you will not be as confident to comply. And the thing that they are looking for is not to eradicate diseases. They are looking for compliance. It's just that simple. They want you to sign on. They want you to say yes. And anybody that takes the time to question is going to be a thorn in their side that they want removed immediately. And they try to make examples of people, um, as you very well know, to make sure people understand, no, we're not going to accept that. We're not going to let you speak out about these things. Mm -hmm. And this is the crux Mm -hmm. of the issue. We should be able to talk about all things. This is a type of debate that's very complicated. It's complex. We need to be having this discussion with our People around us Everybody. and on a bigger scale. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying we should have the vaccine conversation. We should make this a podcast. Everybody. I know. That's what we should do. Right? Have right? you thought of that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe next year. Yes. Huh? Fingers, fingers crossed. <laughs> Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Yeah, thanks Melissa for bringing this article. I, yeah, it was uh, was very fascinating. And um, and so again, everyone, you know, uh, don't forget to you know follow us on our Facebook page and you know, rate and review us. But don't forget. The, the song you are now hearing in the background, you know, fading in as, as I stop talking, that is Be the Peace, uh, Melissa Suzanne, or Be the Peace, the vaccine podcast, vaccine conversation podcast, something like that. Download it, buy it, spread it, you know, give it to your friends and let's, uh, let's uh, be the peace, you know, that, that you want to see in the world for yourselves, your children, and, and we're fighting for our grandchildren too. Right. Very well said. <laughs> See you guys next time. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Always consult your healthcare professional for information on vaccines and infectious diseases.